churches can be messed up and they do odd things because they develop a history of doing things over the years. You know, unfortunately, in the culture in which we live, the viewpoint of a successful church is a church that has a lot of ministries, it's a church that is big. I don't necessarily think that that quantitative for a church, that biblical New Testament church, right? Since she hit me in the head with uh, a beer yeah. pitcher, knocked me out, I wake up, my first sergeant's there, and he's like, Shaw, it's time for you to leave Texas. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and we looked up and found this church online, and and uh, it's a large church and when i was looking like on the home page as to who we are they said relevant ser sermons <laughs> third one was it said we have a coffee bar and in parentheses it said now we have your attention <laughs> and i thought you know here you have a big Whoa. church that it doesn't say anything about christ it doesn't say anything right. about the scriptures <laughs> we're back at the base it's october 31st 1988 uh, I come home and my roommate has a keg of beer. There's like 20 people in our room, you know. And John comes and knocks on the door and he has a Bible and it's open to the Gospel of John. And so in a mocking, irreverent way, you know, I, I read to everybody and, and uh, you know, just trying to make fun of Christians. And This is Disruption. So are you no. So when you were when you were this is when I was super young, but when you were doing radio, I didn't really even know that I think until <laughs> right now. But when you were doing radio, did you what did you do? Like what was the did you do it like once a week and, and I did it once a week. I went into um, I can't remember even the, the the number on the FM dial where it was, but when I got to East Marion Baptist Church uh, so we had a radio program, and it was a 15-minute every Sunday from 8 to 8.15. Oh. And then I went in, and this guy named Stan showed me how to, it was like the reel-to-reel the -reel thing. Yeah. And oh. uh, he told me how to turn the mic on. <laughs> and Did it have the little on-air, red <laughs> recording? Type? I don't remember, but yeah. you know, it was like a five-minute tutorial, hmm. and then that was it. And then you and so, recording. Yeah, I just I, I just sat there. I didn't know what to do, so I just mm. said, uh, uh, "My name is Aaron Shaw, and this is sharing together the radio ministry of East Marion Baptist Church." <laughs> and I did that for for five years. Yeah, I did that for five years. You just kept repeating the the thing that you yeah, started and I, with. I and... had like a music thing. I figured out how to like put a put a. I don't even know what a the song was. Or... Yeah, you know, and he did the volume up and down. Yeah, and, dang. But I had a that's so cool. Yeah, I just don't have like a, one of those cool deep. Radio voices, you know, yeah. it sounds like golden voice yeah. radio. <laughs> this is Aaron Shaw, the Aaron radio Shaw. ministry of East Marion Baptist Church. Welcome to Sharing Together. Some jazz plays. That's so fun. Yeah. yeah, Aaron Shaw. I got the pleasure of having my dad on the podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, my father. Yeah, to be here. Father, I appreciate it. Twenty five years. Yeah, absolutely. So. Tell us, you know, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. You starting, I mean, uh, maybe give us a quick little five-minute testimony on kind of where you've been yeah. and what you do. And Well, I mean, just, just my religious background. I grew up uh, attending a Lutheran church with my parents. Yeah, I was very young, and I think in and out, I would always lie. I always tell people that I would lie and act like I was sick so I could stay home and watch Bonanza. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I go to church, and probably... Around maybe eight or nine years old, we went from a Lutheran church to a charismatic church. Mm. 
And of course, that's night and day, you know. And mm-hmm. and so uh, something it just didn't jive with me. What's uh, what's the diff? What's the night and day difference? Like, a, what's a brief well, I mean, uh, the, description the, of the, the, the two? Lutheran Church was, you know, was more liturgical, and it was more of like a high church, high mass kind of a deal, kind of more like a almost like a Catholic. lecture, kind of quiet, kind of. I, I you know I was really young. I, yeah. I don't remember, but the charismatic church was just the opposite. Yeah, you know, and you know you have mm-hmm. people speaking in tongues. Uh, you know, you have this extended piano thing at the end. I mean, yeah. someone's going to walk the aisle before the church is over, you know. Yeah, and run so, with your shirt off, spin it around. Yeah, kinda. and so I, I, wow. I didn't like it. Um, then I left church. Hmm. And so my parents were divorced when I was 12. I was kind of on my own back in the 80s. We had this thing called like a latchkey kid, you yeah. know. And hmm. and my dad worked all the time, and so I, I go to school and I come back. And from 12 to 22, I, I got involved with... Drugs and I mean, just it was just a, a bad decade of my life where I had mm. no concern over God at all. Wow! And then I, I joined the military. I graduated as a junior. Joined the military within three weeks after my junior year. I'm in basic training. Seventeen years old. Junior year of high school. You, yeah. Junior year of high school. Yeah, I was the youngest kid in our squadron at that time. Mm-hmm. And you were still involved with drugs and and not the, the drinking. Right drinking. I, yeah. Okay. I mean, when I was a sophomore, uh, there was uh, there were some friends of mine that overdosed. They didn't die, but I mean, there was a big drug bust in our in our county. In and uh, anyways, I almost got in trouble, a wow. lot of trouble. And wow. so, you know, I rationalized in my mind, I'm going to stop, you know, doing drugs, and I'll just be drinking. And of course, I got a DWI at 17. Mm-hmm. I'm in a lot of trouble. My dad and you know other people think that the military will straighten me out, so I could join the military. And then I'm doing, uh, I'm in trouble in the military. Right. And uh, I got in trouble. I was stationed in Texas. Um, uh, I actually got knocked out. <laughs> at the NCO club because mm-hmm. I made some sarcastic statement to this girl from the Philippines and she hit me in the head <laughs> with a, a beer yeah. pitcher, knocked me out. I wake up, my first sergeant's there, and he's like, Shaw, it's time for you to leave Texas. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and I ended up in England, yeah. and right away I, I get back into that drinking culture, getting in trouble, and and that's where things changed for me. And I mm-hmm. met a man named Jonathan. He was from Nashville. And, you know, I would always try to get people, to, new guys to party with us. And he said, I don't, I'm not a partier. I, I'm, I'm a Christian. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, so am I kind of a deal. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, he was very kind. He was very persistent with his faith. And, you know, I tried to, you know, talk to him about me going to church when I grew up. And, and uh, anyways, providentially, we went from England to Germany to go to a school and I was excited because it was like September, Oktoberfest was going on in Germany. Mm-hmm. I'm up at 3 in the morning to catch my plane. And here comes Jonathan walking down the hall in our dorm. And uh, I was kind of surprised, you know, because, I mean, he was like an annoying Christian too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was the one who was always trying to talk to you about the gospel at the most inopportune times. And <laughs> so here he comes, and I, I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to, I'm going to Kaiserschlauten. I said, well, I'm going to Kaiserschlauten. And so we went to Ramstein Air Base. We were uh, dorm mates, mm-hmm. right? Wow. And for eight months, and I wanted to go partying, and I wanted him to drive me, but he didn't know how to drive a standard. So I, I taught him how to drive a standard in like an hour. Oh, wow. And we're out, right? Yeah. We're driving around. 
And so we're at a bar, and he opens up the Bible, and he's talking to me and this German girl about the Lord, and I had enough. And I just said, John, put it away. Hmm. I said, uh, uh, you know, just stop, stop you know, trying to evangelize me. And he said, Aaron, he goes, I'll, I'll put the Bible away if when we get back to England, you promise that you'll read the Bible every night about 10 minutes. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Wow. And so uh, after six weeks of being in school, you know, we're back at the base. It's October 31st, 1988. Uh, I come home and my roommate has a keg of beer. There's like 20 people in our room, you know. And John comes and knocks on the door, and he has a Bible, and it's open to the Gospel of John. And so in a mocking, irreverent way, you know, I, I read to everybody and, and uh, you know, just trying to make fun of Christians. And, but I was faithful to reading the Word of God, and I was converted just by reading the Scriptures, wow. you know, in January. Um, after that, I, I was just... Uh, enamored with the Bible. I was reading it every day. I felt like I need to go to Bible school. I didn't know of any Bible school. Uh, there was a missionary. Uh, his name was Udell and his wife Janet, and they ministered to me for like the last two and a half years. I was in England. And I told him, I said, I feel like I need to go to Bible school just to learn the Bible. And so yeah. they could have told me, bring them young. I, I would have known the difference, right? I thought there was like one Bible school everyone went to. And so they, <laughs> yeah. you know, I went to a Bible school uh, in Bible school, I met my lovely wife, your mother, mm-hmm. and uh, people were asking me, you know, do you feel like you have a call to ministry? I don't know what that is. Right. And people are like, oh, I, mean, I feel called to preach. And I'm like, well, I just, I just want to learn the I Bible. the Bible, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we got married after that, and an opportunity opened up when a church in Ohio that I attended between the military and Bible school, mm-hmm. they needed a youth pastor, and they called and asked if I wanted to do it. And I was like, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go from never really going to church at all, um, familiar with going to church and church life, uh, to Bible school. Uh, I go from a Lutheran church to a charismatic church. Uh, I go to a ministry uh, for the military. I go to a non-denominational Bible school, and then I end up going to a Baptist church. And the church had a lot of problems, and I didn't know anything <laughs> about ministry. I didn't know anything about church culture. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was difficult. Mm-hmm. And I was there for five years, and then uh, eventually we moved to the Thumb of Michigan, and um, you were, I think, six weeks old. We moved to Michigan. I pastored in Michigan for eight years, and then eight mm-hmm. years after that, we were in North Carolina, and uh, I was a director of a drug recovery program. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord providentially moved us up here to Grand Rapids, and so I'm in my 14th year. Mm-hmm. Got, your, I was Go got your Master's of Divinity from, from Puritan Reformed, yep. and you've been preaching uh, at North Casanova Baptist for, what did you say, 13? I'm, I'm, begin, I'm, in, I'm in my 14th year right 14, now. 14, yeah. yeah. Right. But ministry is hard. I mean, that that's, you know, it's trying to figure out, you know, what to do and mm-hmm. and uh, not growing up like at a certain church or in a certain denomination kind of all over the yeah. board, you know, it's it was just kind of difficult trying to get your footing as to where you fall in line with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so to kind of give a full shape of, of that story and kind of break it back down, you said you were converted in January. Uh, what year, how old were you? You said 17 when you were still kind of drinking and that's when you went to the military. Was it 17 or was it? No, I, I was converted January 22nd, 1989, two days before I turned 22. Wow. 
six months after I got to England, and that left me two and a half years in England, and then the Gulf War kicked off, and and uh, you know we were on stop loss. But I was I was 22 years old when I was converted, and just saved by the grace of God, obviously. And 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 once you had that that supernatural experience, that that uh, that salvation, that born again moment. Mm-hmm. You were just enthralled with the Bible and, and, oh, absolutely. and loved it, and, mm. and wanted nothing but the Word of God. To I read it every I read it every night, and and uh, I didn't know what it said, and so I had a green spiral ring notebook, you know, one of those thick thick ones, and yeah. I wrote down things that stood out, <clears throat> questions that I had that I could ask someone, mm-hmm. and I was in the Bible all the time, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out, you know. You know what what it means, what it says, mm-hmm. and how it goes together, and mm-hmm. yeah. and so I mean the, the the Bible's simple, but it's not simplistic, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. you know, trying to figure out how how everything weaves together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was a pursuit of mine. So you've been preaching for fourteen, at least in Michigan, at least for for fourteen years, right? And one thing that <clears throat> we know too is is especially with social media and just the rise of media in the past whatever it is, like 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, even since, since, five to eight, even. Yeah, a lot since just recently. Yeah. Church has kind of seemed to to change as well, what we know as, as church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and there's even some echoes of that in your own testimony where, where you thought you were a Christian at a certain point when you knew you weren't. Right. And and nowadays mm-hmm. we see we start to see a lot of kind of the same thing in churches, people going to a building, a, a big building, uh, engaging with the Bible in a way that they think is is salvific, and then the truth is it's, it's not necessarily biblical. So when it comes to you teaching in a, in a smaller church, a small kind of like hometown church, say it's in between a cemetery and a cornfield, you know, it's a, it's not, it's not the mega church. Oh no. So what's, no. what's the difference? Like what are you, what are you kind of seeing <clears throat> in your congregation what are some of the difference in that congregation versus the the congregation of the the huge congregation where the where the family comes in with their Starbucks, engages in Christianity yeah. for for forty five minutes and then leaves? Yeah, well, I, I've never been part of a big church, you know, but uh, going to a church in Ohio, going to a church in Michigan, and trying to figure those things out, you know, what does a pastor do? Uh, how do you view success as a pastor? It was a very difficult thing because churches can be messed up and they do odd things because they've developed a history of doing things over the years. Hmm. And so, you know, unfortunately in the culture in which we live, especially in the States, is that uh, I think the viewpoint of a successful church is a church that has a lot of ministries. It's a church that is big. And uh, I don't necessarily think that that quantitative for a church that, uh, a biblical New Testament church, right? I think in Revelation, a church of Sardis, it says that are alive but are dead. And so, you know, I always use the illustration in Michigan, you're driving down the road and you see a dead deer and you drive down the same road three days later, the deer's bigger, right? (laughs) And so is the goal of ministry trying to get more people in the church? And if that's the goal, uh, you know, do we do pragmatic things to bring people in? For instance, uh, about two or three weeks ago, Rachel and I, we were reminiscing about some people that we knew in New York, and uh, I looked up online. We looked up and found this church online, and and uh, it's a large church. And when I was looking like on the homepage as to who we are, 
they said uh, relevant serv- sermons. Hmm. And, you know, when you got to promote that you're relevant, there's a good chance you're not relevant, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, and then yeah. contemporary yeah. music. And then the third one was, it said, we have a coffee bar. And in parentheses, it said, now we have your attention. Hmm. And I oh, thought, boy. you know, here you have a big Whoa. church that it doesn't say anything about Christ. It doesn't say anything right. about the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And it's a hip place. And people go to places like that because they like it, because somehow mm. it appeals to them. And really, there's no gospel that is there. Mm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you can take away, you know, the idea of a church, and all of a sudden, you know, you got maybe some humanistic therapy, yeah. you know, help me through life Self-help. kind of mentality. Self-help, yeah. And you kind of nailed it when, when you had a great example, but um, I was just looking through uh, just church websites the other day while I was at work, and um, I've noticed a common theme. When you go under the church's mission, if you see a quick one or two at most sentence kind of explanation of who they are, what their goal and mission is, mm-hmm. um, bottom line is it's surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found, and it's not like you need to have two, three, four paragraphs, but there was a, this one church website I visited, and it, it had like 10 or 11 main touching bullet points, mm-hmm. and they were all the truths, biblical truths, very much important things of God. Uh, it went into like what they believe with baptism, and this was a right. Baptist church for the record, but uh, what they believe with um, communion, what they believe with with being born again, what what mm-hmm. they believe with reading scriptures, and and just all these uh, deep main important points. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't surface level; it wasn't yeah. shallow. It was about who Christ is uh, in, in the Trinity. Like it, it was these these very much so important things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a great example about the coffee bar. That it, is in cool. some sense like we have such a short attention span because of the media culture that we are. That you yeah. have to have bullet point things that are out there because mm-hmm. people are just going to look at your website for maybe yeah. a minute or so and yeah. decide whether they want to go there or not. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but, you know, churches, uh, I, I just came under conviction in the sense like, I don't want to just keep doing church what everyone else does, mm-hmm. right? Just because we do it, just because like our church has had a history in doing things. And one thing that stands out, you know, in church history is that at the time of the Reformation, uh, you know, you had the Protestants that broke off from Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. and, you know, they started asking and working through the difficult questions like, what is church supposed to be about, right? Mm-hmm. And so you had what was called a regulative principle. And if God wants people to gather and worship him, he's going to tell them exactly what we need to be doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, and, and I'm, I'm not saying, like, this is a, a hard break, but... You know, we don't, we used to do special music all the time, right? We had mm-hmm. choir, we had kids' club, but we had a lot, we had most of the stuff that a lot of churches have today. And you start asking questions like, why are we, why are we doing the things that we do? Well, we, we've always done it like this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, like I was a youth pastor for five years. And so part of my duties was during regular church, I take all the little kids back, back in, mm-hmm. in another room. We'd have puppet stuff like that, and you're entertaining them. And, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we would have a youth group, and I was a youth pastor, and, and I remember going to a meeting with youth pastors, and one guy said, we're going to take our kids out. So there's five of us youth pastors, and the pastor says, we're going to take our kids out, and we're going to go and sleep under a, a bridge this weekend. <laughs> so I was like, 
well, what are you doing that? And he was like, yeah. well, you know, Jesus was homeless. And I thought, that's the stupidest what? thing I ever heard. <laughs> that right? is crazy. And so that's you do silly. all of these things, and, you know, you get people who might be engaged in that, and yeah. they like it, but they think that it's relevant, but it has nothing to do with the gospel. No. Yeah. And so, like, you know, even in this youth mentality, you know, we had we had a youth pastor for a couple of years, and we would have a lot of kids, mm-hmm. but after high school, they're just gone. Yeah. And so they're, they're, not, they're not drawn into the church family, right? And so you entertain them, and they go from one thing yeah. to another. And so stuff like that, yeah. you know, you can't validate that that's really what the gospel is supposed to be doing with young people. So walk me through this thought. The Paul Washer's, and you probably heard this, but he has an illustration it's a bit of a story, and there's three different characters. There's the king, the bride of the king, who is perfect mm-hmm. just the way she is in a beautiful, right. simple, modest white gown, uh, no makeup. She doesn't need it. And then there's and then there's the the second in command. He's the king's right hand man. He's the guy who is in charge of everything else. And the king goes off to battle, and he brings his army. So the king's away, and mm-hmm. he says to his second hand man, "This is this is my bride." It's up to you to protect mm-hmm. her. It's up to you to nurture her and feed her and to take care of her. You know, protect her with your life, right? right? The king goes away, and then the the the, the guy realizes, huh? The, the second in command realizes, oh, all, the, all of the the subjects of the king aren't. They're not all necessarily in love with mm-hmm. the bride. Why with, with with the with this beautiful queen? Why why not? And then and then he decides to get kind of clever and says, oh, I'm gonna. I'm going to give her this dress that's that's a little bit immodest. It's mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't make a frame for her face, right? And then and then he starts to paint her face with makeup and then parades her throughout the street and says, "Look, she's beautiful, isn't she? She's just so fun." And then people are like, "Oh, look at Oh, that's fun. That's cool. Look at and then and then everyone's Draws praising attention. it. Yeah, a great deal of attention. But then the king starts to come back. And, and, and over the hill, he can hear shout, similar to how Moses could hear Aaron and, and, uh, uh, and the people. Right. It sounds like a war's going on. He's like, what is this? And he comes mm-hmm. back, and then he sees his second-in-command parading his, his wife, wife around. Wow. But his bride does not, need, does not need your help. His bride is beautiful uh, in her simplicity. And, and unfortunately, that... that that is the case with many pastors today, isn't it? Is that the the one who is entrusted to take care of the bride of Christ is parading her around, dressing her up in in drab that she she doesn't need, and so nowadays in churches like that, is it isn't it true that in the analogy in a little story, uh, when you dress up the queen or the bride. Mm-hmm you're not necessarily going to attract her people. Right. You're going to attract people that are attracted to that, not necessarily attracted to the church for who she is. Mm. And and it, just like in real life too and like it, when it comes to the way that a pastor is supposed to a pastor is supposed to to display the church his role isn't is it not true that his role is to just show how beautiful she is and how honorable the the king is because of because that's simply who they are. Right. You don't it's need Christ's you don't church. need to help the church. You don't need to help Christ. Is that something you see happening nowadays in modern church? Well, I mean, if you look at the analogy, take it a step further. And so, if Christ is the sheep, chief shepherd mm-hmm. in First Peter five, pastors are the under shepherds, mm-hmm. and so they don't have they don't have uh, uh, freedom to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. 
if the Bible already gives you really some regulative yeah. principles. And so, yeah. you know, go, go back in, and uh, I'm just going to give like these examples and, you know, people might disagree or not, but um, so if I go back and I remember like what church was like when I first got to North Cas, you know, we had a choir and, and there's nothing, I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong necessarily with having a choir, but you end up going and you're singing for other people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. corporate worship means that they're supposed to be singing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, think about, you know, the time of the Reformation, choirs, they were, they were disbanded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, church is not participant. It's participatory. It's mm-hmm. not that you come and you sit and you listen to other people sing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it kind of fizzled out, and I was kind of, in my heart, kind of glad that that happened, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And we had... We had uh, people who were leading music, and it was not congregational music, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I, the day that I candidated, um, we had people at our church that was singing, and they sang Oceans, like the, the eight-minute <laughs> rendition that oh kept going God, yes. on and on. And I'm sitting there going, what is it, you know, what's this all about, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, so we, I mean, just looking at music like that, you go to a church, and you know, people want a certain type of music. And you know, at North Cass, we'll do... We'll do uh, wonderful like Getty music and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know we'll do some some praise songs. You know we do hymns. hymns. I mean that, I mean yeah. it's abroad. You know I have people tell me you know I don't like hymns. Well I mean I don't I don't care. <laughs> uh, come next week, right? We're not going to have it. People yeah. will say you know we don't like modern you know right. pra- good praise music. And I'm like mm-hmm. well just you know we'll have hymns. And so yeah. I intentionally don't make music an issue, mm-hmm. but it has to be doctrinally sound. Yeah. Right. It can't be cheesy, fluffy stuff. It can't right? be about us either. Yeah. Know? Like uh, Lauren good, Daigle yeah. is a big uh-huh. uh, issue when it comes to making it about us. Hmm. Right. Saying, like uh, we said this in a previous episode about how, oh, I once, uh, I, I once think thought I wasn't good enough, and then I realized I am good enough, and <laughs> and all these things. It's like, no, you're not good enough, or else <laughs> you don't need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, even with. The music's a great point to bring up in that uh, analogy you brought up with Christ's church being the bride mm-hmm. and how the pastor or even just the, the congregation is supposed to hold that true. That is Christ's bride. Yeah. This isn't Christ's bride that he says, okay, go make it how you want it to yeah. make it your own bride. It's not right. that. Um, but with the music part, we see it so much today with social media and big mega churches specifically. But really, even I... I I'm not going to throw any names out there at all, but I will say a lot of churches... Do it. uh, 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 Ones that I'm even (laughs) familiar with, they will do the whole concert-type worship with sometimes maybe smoke and and lights Mm. and all these... uh, Oh, my goodness, yeah. And and, and it's like that we are worshiping the Lord... We're not here. We don't need a concert with people singing to us. We, it, it, as you said, it's corporate worship. Yeah. It's it's collective worship. With mm-hmm. yes, you can have a lead, and you need that. You need people with a gifts of instruments and talents. Yeah. Correct, because you don't need me doing it. Yeah, but it has to. <laughs> it, it has to be governed in the sense that they understand that their purpose is to draw people to Christ. Right. So not looking at me. Yeah. So yeah. you don't. You, if you have people there doing these. Whitney Houston octave things <laughs> yeah. going up and down, up and down. I yeah. guarantee you, that's not Christ honoring. They're they're showboating their talent, right? Mm-hmm. And if people walk out of church, also saying, that's not helpful for the congregation because majority of the people 
can't, can't sing. sing like that. And it demoralizes you, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll, just, encouraging. I'll it's, just sit yeah. down and listen to them. Well, yeah. you missed the whole point. Right. Oh, dang. Even, and, if, even if it's encouraging for you to listen yeah. to that, like, oh, they have a beautiful voice that's honoring to you, but or that's honoring to God. But like the, the point is, is that We're they're supposed together. to be helping you, lead you right. into a, a preparation, a point in your heart right. where you're ready to engage in yeah. the scripture. Well, we also at North Cas we have congregational scripture reading. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many times you go to church and they say, open up to this chapter and they stand and honor the word of God and they read it. But Paul told Timothy, you know, in 1 Timothy 4, you know, give attention to the public reading of scripture. Mm-hmm. And people will say, well, they're going to get the scripture in the sermon. But I mean, if the Bible tells you give attention yeah. to the public reading of scripture, how come we're not doing it? Right. right? Yeah. Uh, praying, corporate prayers, you know, everything in the morning and evening worship service should be something that draws our attention to Christ, mm-hmm. even the preaching. You know, I pray that I'm not a bad pastor. You don't want to be a bad preacher. Yeah. And people are, you know, they're yeah. watching you from, from uh, you know, the chairs, you know, and, and they feel bad for you. Yeah, because you're rambling. Now all of a sudden you're just, you know, or... they're looking at the pastor and they think, oh, what a pathetic guy. You know, I feel so bad for him. But you don't want to be a great orator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they start worshiping you almost. Well, they walk out and they say, man, our, our, you know, our, our pastor is a wonderful preacher, right? Yeah. I just want to be average. Yeah. Let me not draw the attention mm. because I'm odd, and let me not draw the attention that I'm wonderful. You know, when we walk out of church, we should say stuff like this. Isn't Christ mm. a wonderful Christ? Mm. I, wa- I was in there, and from our singing and from reading the Scripture, they have grander thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you walk out of church and you say, that was a wonderful worship service, I love the music, hmm. well, you missed the point, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't go to church to listen to other people sing. Right. You go to church because it, 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 uh, the music in particular, it draws your mind to Christ in preparation of the preaching of the Word of God. Hmm. And I mean that—that's—that's that's really what we're supposed to be doing, right? Worship right. is not one person getting up and doing everything. The congregant should be, you know, kind of tired at the end of the service as mm. much as the pastor, yeah, because they're singing with all of their heart, they're engaging their mind, mm. they're focusing on the words that they're singing. They have great thoughts of God, mm. and then they read the Word of God, right? Yep. And, you know, we have all this stuff that people are doing and busying up an hour and a half of people's <laughs> mornings with nonsense stuff. And so you have children's church, but a lot of the regular church services are still children's churches, right? Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we do things because people <laughs> like the nonsense. <laughs> Might as well keep the kids in there, huh? Yeah. I mean, don't bring anything that's overly convicting, mm. right? And so, you know, you have pastors getting up and saying, I'm, I'm going to preach a sermon and you know, I'm going to make it really relevant. And they take something out of the scriptures, yeah. and all of a sudden they're making it like this is a life skill that you have to learn, mm-hmm. right? Hmm. And yeah. if the preaching isn't about Christ, if it's not pointing people to Christ, Old Testament, New Testament, yeah. then it's irrelevant. Yeah. What's, and, what's the best one? Be David. Go collect your five stones. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, what's your Goliath? Where, yeah. where do you need to? What's your five this? Bible verses that combat this sin in your life? Yeah, and we, I, we are not David, audience. <laughs> you are not David either. I'll tell you where Dave. I'll tell you where the people are in one Samuel. Okay, uh, it's not David on the battlefield. It's the Israelites back in the tents that are cowering. Mm-hmm. Right? There's nothing that they can do. Right. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, we, go, we come in and we hear pastors that want to make us feel good about our failures and want us to do better, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of coming out and saying that, that you're nothing outside of Christ and that you need Christ for everything. And, yeah. that's, and that right there brings me to two, two main thoughts where, first of all, overall, whether it be the worship part, whether it be reading scripture, whether it be whatever you're doing in church, uh, but let's take it an even step further, whatever you do in life. And no one will ever perfect this fully until we are glorified, I think. Um, But everything we do should be for the glory of God. And that should obviously be at church, whether it be the worship, whether it be part of the sermon, whether it be even after church, post-church. But then, again, take it a step further. Your whole life should be to glorify God. That is is why we're we're here, really, to bring glory to God. Uh, And then the second part where you're talking, um, even uh, church nowadays is kind of child church they're not putting anything too convicting on the plate they're they're mm-hmm. wanting to what the bible says is uh uh itch those tickling ears right mm-hmm. like like uh like itch itch those ears that that want to hear what they want to hear it's not mm-hmm. what they need to hear it's it's what they they think they need to hear maybe mm-hmm. or definitely want to hear um it's mm-hmm. it's not good for anyone for that like the bible is enough scripture is enough we we need yeah. we need truth preached not wishy-washy, uh, hey, this is, remember, hey, we got to keep our attendance up. This is a business, right? Mm-hmm. Quit yeah. quit treating it like it's, this is a, this is a, a congregation. This is the mm-hmm. bride of Christ. Yeah. This is a, we need to have more reverence for the Lord. We, yeah. I'm always talking, we're always talking about word pictures. And self-included. I, I hadn't, absolutely. And I agree with you. It's, it's all for the glory of Christ. And then, mm-hmm. but then of course we, we, we try to draw dead people in, to a church and try to make them comfortable. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I love the illustration that you gave of the, I, I had never thought about that, a dead deer on the side of the road. You drove past it and it was normal dead deer. It's bigger. A week, later, <laughs> a week later, it's bigger. It's like, oh, the Something's church is happening. bigger. It's full well, you, of, drive, you drive down the road, right, and you see this church yeah. and there's hundreds of cars there and they have a playground set on the outside <laughs> and yeah. they have a marquee. You know, we have a men's group. You know, we have mops. We have, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with those things, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you go to a church and the motivation is that my life is messed up, uh, my marriage is failing, my kids are kind of, you know, off the rails, and so we're yeah. going to go to church. And so yeah. you go to church oh. and you meet someone and they're like, you know, we, we have the answer for that. Right. And it's all about helping them through the difficulties of life. Yeah. And, you know, you always got to go back and remind people that Christ didn't come to the earth to make bad people good, right? Christ mm. came to the earth to make dead people alive. Come on. Right. And that when you're focusing on yeah. Christ, and if your intention is to, I'm going to live my life to the glory of God, yeah. inadvertently, mm. if that's your motivation, it will affect your marriage yes. and how you raise your kids. It will. Yeah. And so if Christ is where he should be, preeminent in our lives, yeah. you know, there's benefit that yeah. fills up all the cracks. Yeah. So much benefit, too. I've noticed personally, ever since being born again, it's been, they go hand in hand, glorifying the Lord. And our happiness, even mm-hmm. like in everything in between, like the cracks you said, the marriage, mm-hmm. relationships, uh, career, where you find yourself serving the Lord, like everything right. comes with that. If, yeah. if, and we can't just say, "Yeah, we're here to glorify the Lord." Huh? Yeah. Oh, hey, I'm glor. Man, that was yeah. a, that was a glorifying to the Lord that conversation. Or, yeah, I read my Bible. That hopefully that glorified the Lord. Like, sure. no, it has to be true. It, if you're here to glorify the Lord, is that is you are glorifying the Lord, your happiness will. You yeah. will just you will. 
we talked about that a couple weeks ago with the uh, upside down ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, you let gravity take you. Correct. And and uh, Chandler, I love what Chandler says. <clears throat> he says that Christ isn't on the priority list. You you'd be sinning if Christ was on your list of priorities. Everyone always says Christ is on the top of the list for my priorities. No, Christ is the piece of paper that you write your priorities on. Uh, hmm. Those are two different things. You know, if, if you have a, a, a whole list of things and Christ is at the top, then then you're already in trouble. No, because you have other things listed at that. Christ point. is the piece of paper that yes. you write it all on. Oh wow! And uh, like like you say, if you know, you, if you're walking in 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 you know in tune with the Spirit, yeah, everything flows right out of it. Yeah, even if it doesn't all go right. I know? think the difficulty today is is that we compartmentalize our lives in such a way that you know we have our careers we have our uh, we have our family over here you know we have the things that we like to do and Christ becomes like that little piece of parsley you know on a dinner plate <laughs> that you know it's there the cherry you know, yeah <laughs> and you know you feel bad if it's not there yeah uh, and you think that somehow you know if you go to church once in a while then he's going to mm-hmm. kind of fix your messes and you go through life and you know you end up talking to people like that and they think that you know I, something wrong with our we have a bad pastor there's yeah. something wrong with the church and yeah they're going to church but they know intrinsically that there's something that is messed up in their lives but they yeah. never say it's me yeah. right right they never say you know Jesus is simply uh, uh, in the orbit of my life right yes. mm-hmm. he you know he comes around once a week and I think about him I acknowledge that he's there. But I mean, he's the, he should be the center of the person's universe, mm. and everything rotates around that. Yeah, and so it's you know. But the thing is, that's not marketable yeah. because someone comes into church and their life is messed up. They're like, "My life's messed up. Uh, I need some help." You need Christ. You need Christ because you're a sinner. You're selfish. Uh, you want God. And even people coming to church when their life is messed up, they think by going to church, mm-hmm. I'm here. And uh, God needs to fix my life, and then all of a sudden, God might be gracious with them, and then they're out. Mm. Right? Years ago, here's a funny story, and uh, there was a guy that called me up, and so this is when I was in Ohio. I get a phone call. I'm the youth pastor, it means I got to talk to all these people, right? The mm-hmm. pastor's like, you know, you just got to deal with that. This guy calls, and he said, uh, uh, "My friend and I, we have uh, a, a painting job, and we need a ladder." Would your church buy a buy us a ladder? And I'm like, you want us to buy you a ladder? He's like, yeah, like a forty for, foot for business, a forty foot aluminum ladder. And and so I mean, they don't teach you this in Bible college. I'm like, well, I, uh, I don't think we will, but you know, I guess if you come, maybe we can talk. And so, like the very next week, these two guys come in like with these seventy leisure suits in the back. You can tell they haven't been in church in a long time, mm-hmm. right? So after church, they come up to me and they're like, well, you know, we came to church, and I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you're Pastor Aaron, right? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, we're the ones that talk to you on the phone. And we were wondering if you would buy us a ladder, right? Mm. And so, I mean, so they come to church. And, of course, Hoping unbelievers yeah. do stuff like that, right? right? And, you know, they think that's what the church is there for, right? Yeah. To, I messed up my life, and so now I'm going to try God. And so right. you give it a couple weeks, and things might be better. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not doing as bad stuff. And so in their minds, you know, it's not about yeah. being dead in sin, needing to be regenerated. It's about, I just need to stop doing all this bad stuff, and somehow God will honor me. Yeah. And they don't have any clarification from the pulpit. Yeah. Well, and even maybe thinking, that there's a lot of misconceptions out there uh, with... Oh yeah, go to church. 
It's like, yes, we need to go to church. We want to be part of that community, that congregation, that mm-hmm. that body of Christ. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they don't understand the deeper. We don't teach the deeper doctrines enough where it's like we are dead in our trespasses. We need a regenerated heart from stone yeah. to flesh. We, we need to be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. Right. Yeah. And so I think to keep it simple, I, I drew this illustration Uh you you mentioned a little parsley. Uh, I want you to hold it up for that camera because that camera's kind of far. But uh, it, whether it be, oh, it should not be you in the middle of your life. It should be Christ in the center of your life with you around it and everything else around it. Christ should be in the center, not you. It shouldn't be Christ is a little garnish on the side. He's a little, let me sprinkle Jesus in here. Uh, kind of what you said in the other episode. I love Jesus. It's like, what does that even mean though? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to judge someone though at the same time we can kind of see fruits of their yeah. lives and yeah. and I think we need to hold Christ's name God's character to a higher reverence yeah. we need the church the church capital C church really needs to do a better job and whether that just be in America uh, or from what I see really and that's sprinkling into other parts of the world mm-hmm. um, but man we, we need Jesus above all and that's yeah. th- this this year we need Christ in the center of our lives, not on the outskirts, mm-hmm. not when we need him, not when we're feeling down, or not even when we're at our best times. Yeah. We need him always, and there is grace. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny when we, uh, I was just thinking about that, I, w- the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about, oh, I love Jesus. I think that's the t- same tone of voice when I go to my buddy's house. He's got a little dog named Tucker. Oh, I love Tucker. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. level of reverence as you give to a, a dog. Wow. You know? And and so, um, one question I have for you, Dad, is is as a believer, when it comes to looking for a church, looking for, and, and even maybe this is hopefully this. I'd say that this is a message both to unbelievers who might be listening in regards to to what you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what you've heard about church versus what is scriptural, but also a message to believers in regards to. Maybe it's time to, to to test your 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 schedule. You know, maybe you should do a deep dive on your own church that you go to every week and, and see like what is what are we really doing here? Mm-hmm. And so, if you if you had a young person or any believer come to you and say, Pastor Aaron, I'm convicted about the church that I go to. What are the things that? What are some brief things that I can look for in a new church, a new church or, or 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 what are some brief things right. I can uh, analyze within my church just to see whether or not the Spirit moves me to go somewhere else? Does everything in the worship service point me to Christ? Do I have greater thoughts of Christ because mm-hmm. of the things that I see, or do I like singing the music because it appeals maybe to my you know, whatever genre that you have. Mm-hmm. Are we in the Word of God, right? You can have a pastor who's a great orator, but he might be a terrible exegete, right? What is that? Uh, what is an exegete? He's drawing the text out. He's bringing the principles. He's, mm. uh, That's, you, you know, he, he's, he's coming to the Scriptures wanting to know what does God intend for me to understand in mm-hmm. this text. Yeah. He doesn't come with his own framework and use a text to kind of support his ideas on things, right? So that's the difference between exegesis, which is... Ek is out. 
eisegesis is two. I come to the scriptures mm-hmm. with my own ideas, and I'm going to use this this text to justify why I believe something, yeah. right? So it's, are you a good teach? Uh, let me rephrase. Are you a good speaker versus are you a good pastor, right? I, I, I would even say it's different than that. Oh. I would say, is the pastor handling the word of God accurately as it was intended to be understood? It's mm-hmm. like in Nehemiah chapter 8, right? And so you have Ezra, and uh, it talks about how Ezra, he went... Uh, and they built this pulpit of wood, and it says, and he read from the law of God distinctly and gave the sense of the text. And so this is what the text says, and this is how it applies to you, Hmm. right? And so you don't want to go to a church where the pastor is always talking about these cultural things, and then he throws Jesus in at the end. Oh, by the way, Jesus Hmm. died on the cross for your sins. Mm -hmm. Well, why do we come to Jesus the last three minutes of the text? Every aspect from the opening prayer to the closing prayer should draw our attentions to Christ. And so when you walk out of that foyer and you're going out into the parking lot and you're saying, man, I love the music Mm. and the pastor was a wonderful guy and he's so funny and stuff, that's the church you shouldn't go to. Mm. But if you walk out of church and you're saying, I saw Christ, Mm. right? Uh, Calvin said, in the faithful preaching of the word of God, the pulpit becomes the throne, right? It doesn't mean mm. that the, 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 the pastor is exalted. It means that you heard from God in the text, mm. right? Wow. And so you go there, and, and it's like you walk out with a clear understanding of how wonderful Christ is and how horrible you are yeah. as a sinner, yep, right? Him. And mm. I, I need Christ, and so, you know, if you walk out of church and it's like, well, I have my feelings hurt, you know, I don't necessarily like that church, that's probably the one that you need to be in, <laughs> right? And so, wow. you know, it's, it's wrong. I remember uh, one of the Barna, George Barna, I think it was years ago, and, you know, if, once in a while I would read stuff like that. The main thing that draws people to a church, uh, I mean, think about it. You go to another, another, another uh, a town, you might look up your denomination, whatever, but something that's attracting people for the first time is the architecture of the facility. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, hmm. right? And yeah. so, you know, you drive past and it's like, that's a cool looking church. And they market it a certain way. And, mm-hmm. and so you don't want to discount the church that you go in and it's quiet, um, it's reflective. Uh, you know, the pastor gets up and he, you know, he's, he's making you laugh and, you know, you sing all these songs and the pastor gets up and says, well, I'm going to tell a joke right before I give my sermon. I mean, why, why do you have to do something like that? Hmm. Right? Yeah, this isn't mm-hmm. to get our attention, right? So uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's to magnify Christ. It is to, like you said, point, it should all point to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And so would that be the answer for almost both your questions for examining your own Current church, and then also if you were looking for a church, would that be kind of a double, double answer? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think when people want to go to a church, you know, you might have a family they want a kids program, mm-hmm. right? Or something that's interesting to them. You know, you have a singles group because you're single. And and so the benefits of large churches is they might have the financial ability of catering to a lot of those great needs, right? Mm-hmm. But does your extent in the church go past that, that mm-hmm. once again, you're focused on Christ? Or do you go to this yeah. church because this is where your friends go? Yeah. And, you know, if you're not growing in the Word of God, 
if you don't walk out of church, you know, and it, you want to dive into the scriptures more, if it's not producing holiness of life, something's wrong. Yep. It could be the church, but it could be you as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I don't want to say big churches are bad. Right. Yeah. Because there are many just saying big churches that are good. Everything yeah. about the service, the corporate service, should be drawing our attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. And so whether you're in the Old Testament or mm. whether in your in the New Testament, there has to be this 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 trinitarian you know view that the mm-hmm. the father uh, wants to save his saints that he sends his son his son acts in time uh, to make the sacrifice and the spirit of god mm-hmm. is working to appropriate mm-hmm. uh, appropriate wow. the the acts of christ in a person's life yeah wow. right and so if you yeah. don't walk out of church having greater thoughts of god mm-hmm. then i would say that yeah. there's something wrong you might not be able to diagnose it. Yeah. But if you walk out church saying, I love the music there. Yeah. Well, tell me about the music. Oh, man, the singers were great. I love the whatever, you know. And, yeah. You can diagnose and, that. And so, uh, once again, you know, you're looking at the wrong things. Yeah. And so you can have big churches. You can have small churches that do the same stuff. And so it's not necessarily yeah. the size of the church, but... But, you know, at the end of Romans 11, it talks about that all things are supposed to be for Christ. Yeah. Everything is about Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if Christ is brought up at the very end, right, mm-hmm. and maybe out of some compulsion because we want people to get saved. Right. You know, you have the pastor come up and say, okay, you know, you know we've, been, we've been talking about uh, the role of man, you know, and how to deal with your... You know your anger issues, yeah. but but now we want to talk about Jesus. And <laughs> if you haven't yeah. asked Christ into your heart, you know we want you to. And then they go into this whole mantra hmm. of stuff that hasn't made sense for many people for a lot of years. Yeah, hmm. right. And everyone knows what it's about. Yeah, right. And yeah. so you know it's almost a, a compulsion that you do stuff. Mm-hmm. And you close your eyes and you bow your head without anyone looking around, hmm. right? If you feel like uh, Jesus isn't in your heart, then you raise your hand. And then the pastor will say, now, everyone who raises their hands, look up at me. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, yeah, where does it teach that in the Bible? It's a, right? it's a bunch of nonsense. If you're a sinner, right, you respond to the gospel when the Lord's working in your heart. I just read mm-hmm. Acts chapter 10. Peter's at the house of Cornelius. He's preaching to them. As evidence of being born again, they're speaking in tongues in the middle of the church service. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's evidence. These people have been converted, right? Yeah. And so you don't wait for the formula. Yeah. You know, you do something about it. Yeah. And it's and it's not going through this process because I meet a lot of people who has Jesus in their heart, and I don't know which aorta they're in or whether <laughs> the, the, the vows are there, but uh, he, he needs to be in your mind as well. Hmm. It needs wow. to be in your tongue and in your ears. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people, and I hate to say it, but I think the problem with American Christianity is churches are full of unconverted people who go to church. Mm. Well, the Bible will tell us that even. Yeah. So? Yeah. You know, it's almost like a confusion, you know, as yeah. to really what, what, what Christianity is all about. Because yeah. if everyone is not on the same page... Logically, we can all be wrong, but we can't all be right. Yeah, someone yeah. is going to be right, and not yeah. everyone is going to be right. Correct. But, I mean, we might all be wrong. Right. Yeah. Ooh. Right? Whoa. Mm. And so, you know, but we can't all be right. And so if there are people who are, if, there are, if there's discrepancies in things, um, you know, we, we have to do the hard 
the hard test of trying to figure out what exactly is what am I yeah. looking for? What do I value in a yeah. local church? Yeah, and uh, you know what? How do I want to raise my kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what you, do you value? You, I think you tied it up really well right there. Like what? What should we be looking for when we are when we're going to church? When we're uh, you know preparing ourselves for the Lord's day? Mm-hmm. What are you getting? What are you getting fed? And I'm I'm so I'm honestly just so proud of you just for what you've done, uh, you know, with with your life, how, the way that you raised your family. Um, we talked about before that Spurgeon had said, if if uh, God has called you to be a pastor, don't stoop to be a king. Mm-hmm. So surely my my dad is greater than a king, mm-hmm. and so I'm so thankful for that, and just so thankful for the the weight. That you bring the scriptures, you understand that when you, when you lay your your Bible on, um, what did you call it, the sacred desk, the the pulpit. Right. When you lay your Bible on there, you understand it's the hev- you you have just now laid down the heaviest thing in the world, and you're about to you're about to hand it, you know, as as a precious jewel to God's mm-hmm, people. Yeah. It is no it is no small thing to do such a thing, and so you know our prayer for our listeners is is to Analyze yourself, you know. Analyze the church that you're going to. Analyze the way that you engage with Christ's bride, um, because she is beautiful, and she doesn't need us to to dress her up. She's she's beautiful uh, the way she, the way is. she is, mm-hmm. right? Man, thanks and, for listening. I, I want yeah, to just add ahead. a quick yeah. thing, uh, kind of to to tie this episode together. As, as normally, disruption tends to be outside of the Christian faith, but this episode was, interestingly enough, uh, kind of inside the church, and it was kind of talking about um, even just America's church. So American uh, church uh, culture. Very uh, important things to think about and disrupting everything, truly. Um, But let's just examine ourselves as you go about your week and and even as you go about your life and and see, are you holding Christ's name and God's character to a higher Mm -hmm. reverence? Yeah. Uh, and, and the right reverence. Yeah. So yeah. something to think about. But Absolutely. thanks for watching, guys, uh, yeah. and, you can, and you, listening. You can go, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and put North Kaz's, uh, um, uh link to the to the website oh. in the description, too, if people ever want to check out uh, North Kaz. So thanks for listening. Catch you on the flip. Adios. And God bless. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Disruption. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate or share on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. You can also support us financially on our podcast website. The link for that is in the description below. Tune in on Mondays. We'll see you next week.